But Christmas is only five weeks away. How does that make you feel when I say that? Excited? Kind of like, oh my gosh, the to-do list is bigger than Santa's list. <laughs> the I have not done list is even bigger. But you know what? Jules asked us this question a few weeks ago in our staff meeting. She was actually giving input and she asked this, us the question, what do you see? What do you see? Back then it was like six weeks to Christmas or six, seven weeks to Christmas. And she said, what do you see? Because there was a few gasps from around the table when she actually said it. Because we knew we've got, we we're making all of December special. We knew we've got the kindness project. We, we've got the brochures to get out. We've got all these things. And then personally, we all have things to do. I have a bit of clearing up to do in my home because my family are coming to Berlin for Christmas. Yay, I'm super excited about it. But there's work involved as well. And, um, but she challenged us. She said, do you see? What do you see? Because we actually said what we saw. Or, and then she said, but do you see six more weeks of salvations? Because thus far in this year, we've had over 300 people give their lives to Jesus. Do we see five more weeks of people getting right with God and coming home? Do we see five more weeks of actually people getting water baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? Do we see five more weeks of people getting connected into a community of faith, like-minded people? What do you see for your life that the Jesus we've just been singing about can cover and be over? What do you see? And so I have been pondering on that question ever since she asked it. It really actually resonated with me, Julesy, when you said it. And then ever since every day, I'm asking myself, what do I see? And I have to say to you, I see without a shadow of a doubt, I see an opportunity for me personally to strengthen everything we believe in. To strengthen everything in these next few weeks that we believe in. We believe in Jesus. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We believe in the miracle working power of Jesus. We believe in the Jesus that is the God of the impossible. Everything that we have been taught this last year, I am believing for it to be strengthened in my life so that I can help strengthen it in other people's lives. What do you see? What do you see? I see us having an opportunity in the next four to five weeks, including Sunday the 24th of December, when we're going to have our very first Christmas Eve service. I mean, that's just so special. So special. One o'clock on the 24th. Dear ones, be with us in this room. It's going to be super special. And I don't take for granted. I'm super excited because it's the first time we've been able to do this. But I see all of us with an opportunity to be able to do what we want to do as a church, which is to deal with the giants in society, to deal with the giants in the world in which we live, which is spiritual poverty, physical poverty, and loneliness. And I believe that together we can do that, especially in this season where all of those things are highlighted even more so. So let's just have a look at the word poverty. You know, poverty is described as the state of being poor. And poor is defined as those who lack power. And spiritual poverty, physical poverty and loneliness actually cause people to lack power. 
When we think of spiritual poverty, the fact of the matter is in Romans 3, we're told very clearly that we have all fallen short. There is no way under... There is no way we can actually live the kind of life God wants for us to live without Jesus Christ. Romans 3 in the GWT translation actually says, everyone is a sinner. That's how it describes it. Other versions are a bit more delicate. They say God's judgment defended or God's faithfulness. But the GWT version says everyone is a sinner. And basically without Christ in our lives, we are in spiritual poverty. But thank God Jesus came and he dealt with that. And because of his sacrifice, because of his willingness to go to the cross to die for us, and for God raising him up from the dead, and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding and praying for you, by the way, right now. But, oh, Levy. <laughs> Bless him. We all love a screaming baby every now and again. So it just keeps it real, doesn't it? Just keeps it real. But Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid a price. And because of his price, we now have been delivered from spiritual poverty and we can live in spiritual richness with God. Amen. Knowing that eternity is secure, that we will spend eternity with God. Spiritual poverty was dealt with. Romans 8 verse 10 to 11 says, it stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does, as surely as he did in Jesus, that in itself is amazing, that he breathes and lives in us surely as he did in Jesus. It goes on to say, you are delivered from that dead life. We've been set free from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ. So it's safe to say that before salvation, we did not have God's supernatural power enabling us in our lives. We were living in spiritual poverty. But Jesus has done the work. He's paid the price. And you and I will spend the rest of our days actually discovering what all of that means while we live here on earth. How wonderful. There's that old hymn that says, how wonderful, how marvelous is God's love for me. And it is wonderful, and it is marvellous, and it is for you, but it's not just for you and I. It is for those who are lost right now. Yeah. And we are here as a church to actually deal with that spiritual giant, yeah. the giant of spiritual poverty. Yeah. But then physical poverty also. Physical poverty, that's often referred to in terms of finances because it basically means those who lack the power to feed themselves, to clothe themselves, to provide shelter, to obtain medicine and even education. So that's why it's often used in terms of financial lack, physical poverty. And we too can actually contribute towards meeting the needs of other people. And then loneliness and I think we all understand that loneliness is not just being on your own. You can be on your own and not lonely. But loneliness, you can be lonely in a crowd. You can be lonely in the city of Berlin with nearly 3.9 million people. You could actually be lonely in here. And loneliness is not an absence of people. It's an absence of purpose. It's also an absence of being seen and valued and understood. 
It's a, it's a lack of being celebrated. So of course we can help deal with that giant, can't we? Of course we can. When we know that God has placed so much value upon us, that he celebrates us. And all of heaven celebrates when somebody comes home and gives their life to Jesus. All of heaven. That's what the Word of God says. There is a party in heaven when one person makes their peace with Jesus. Celebration. You are valued. You are loved. You are seen. Amen? It's loneliness. We can deal with loneliness. We are convinced without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus and his church, which is you and I, can be part of the solution towards addressing all of these issues. Amen? You know, even as we've gathered today on Sunday, which we often say is the first day of a brand new week, we don't call it the last day of a crazy old week. We say it is the first day of a brand new week. Why? Because you have come here and you've put God first. You've said, I'm going to allocate this time to come to the house of the Lord, to be together with other believers. And with your praise, you have contributed to the atmosphere today. With your worship, you have contributed to the atmosphere. With your giving, you have contributed. And dare I say, even in the moment when a salvation appeal is going to be given and people are going to have an invitation to make Jesus their Lord and Savior, your faith in that moment, your prayers in that moment will contribute to salvation as it already has has done this last year with so many people encountering Jesus. Amen. We have got the honor and privilege of seeing people give their lives to Christ every single service, every single week. And I pray we never take that for granted. Don't take your part in that moment for granted because it is so needed. You creating a welcoming environment for people to come in, creating this environment of faith with your praise. That is all needed, and we can all contribute towards that. It's not just the platform. It's not just those that can sing nicely in the congregation. It's all of us. This sweet-smelling fragrance towards our Heavenly Father of worship and praise just permeates every nook and cranny of this place, and it draws people to their Heavenly Father. And then equally, equally midweek, others benefit from us getting together as a church. You know, throughout the year, we, we do this in our community groups where when we come together, that the plan of action and our strategy is that every, every time we come together, someone will benefit. Someone will benefit, whether it's A21 with abolishing human trafficking, whether it's Compassion Children being sponsored, whether it's Charity Water, building water wells in different parts of the world so people can have clean water. That's what our community groups are about. That's, your, that's part of your purpose. That is part of your purpose. That is the why. That's part of the why we gather, not just to have community together, but to be a community that makes a difference to make a difference. Why? Because we can. Because we can. So, you know, if you're part of a community group, you're part of the strategy for actually helping others. And if you are not, we would love to help you become part of a community group so that you too can get together with like-minded people about making a difference in this world. You know, sometimes it seems like there's so much going on. How could we ever make a difference? But, you know, when you impact one person's life, it makes a jolly big difference to that one person. You know, so, you know, Mother Teresa said, if you can't feed a thousand people, just start with one. Just start with one. This is us being the church. 
In the message translation in Matthew 5, verse 14 to 16, it says, here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. It goes on to say, keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, their generous Father in heaven. So, as we actually are kind to each other, as we are God's hands and feet here on earth, it's not just this random act of kindness that doesn't mean anything or just, it actually means so much more than just giving somebody something or saying a nice thing to somebody. It actually has the a possibility of opening up people's hearts to their generous Father in heaven. I mean, gosh, just think about it. Think about if you're kind to somebody. You don't know if somebody has woken up that morning and said, God, if you are in heaven, if you are really there, let somebody just be kind to me today. You don't know. And maybe you'll be the answer to that person's prayer, opening them up to their generous Father in heaven. Don't take it for, don't take it for granted what simple kindness can do. Amen? God's plan is that every single one of us play our part in bringing solution to spiritual poverty, physical poverty, and loneliness. And who would like to be part of that? Yeah, our world needs us to put a hand up for that, doesn't it? So today, as we're launching our Christmas Kindness Project, I want to share on kindness. But before I actually start, and just to lay the foundation God's never asked us to do anything that he has not done first. And we can see very clearly that God has extended kindness towards us. God has extended kindness towards us. And this is our foundation. He has been so very, very kind to us. Romans 2 verse 4 says, It's his kindness that has drawn us and led us home. His kindness has led us to him. The Holy Spirit, through the kindness of God, has led us to our Heavenly Father. And you know, when I am praying for people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, I pray that the Holy Spirit, through kindness, because that's what God's Word says, so I pray God's Word. I pray that the Holy Spirit, through God's kindness, will draw people to their Father. God's Holy Spirit, through his kindness, will actually take people out of darkness and put them into light, will take them out of despair and put them into hope. That's what I pray, his kindness will lead them home because it's his kindness that has drawn us home. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10. And I was going to only read verse 10, but when I was in the Next Generation prayer meeting on Thursday, one of the um, girls on the call in the Zoom, she actually read this portion of scripture out. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to read all of that out. A, because we're in church, so it's all right to read lots of the Bible. But also because it's just beautiful. So I'm going to read from verse 4 to verse 10. And I just ask that God will just bless the reading of his word. That it will be anointed as it goes out. As I speak it out, his anointing will be on it. And it will actually go straight into your hearts about what Christ, what God has done for you and I. This is what it says. But God is rich in mercy because of his great love for us. 
We were dead because of our failures, but he made us alive together with Christ. It is God's kindness that saved you. God has brought us back to life together with Christ Jesus and has given us a position in heaven with him. Wow, indeed. He did this through Christ Jesus out of his generosity to us in order to show his extremely rich kindness in the world to come. God saved you through faith as an act of kindness. You had nothing to do with it. Being saved is a gift from God. It's not the result of anything you've done, so no one can brag about it. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that he has prepared for us to do. How beautiful is that portion of scripture. And so we can extend kindness because Christ has extended kindness to us. We are so blessed to know Jesus, so honored to know him and to live with him in our everyday lives, to be closer to us than a brother, closer to us than blood. That is Jesus for you right now. I wonder, I wonder if you would take a moment to just realize how kind and gracious and merciful God has been to each and every one of us, more than we could ever imagine or fathom. His kindness his mercy, his grace, his unconditional love extended towards us. And as we receive that, it is from that place that we give kindness to others. So it's not a personality thing. It's part of our DNA. Amen. So as I lay a foundation, just going to lay a foundation for kindness. It starts with his kindness towards us. But I think also it's really important that we get the why of kindness. And I think oftentimes we can so easily focus on the what and the how and the task, especially around Christmas time, all the tasks, all the things that need to be ticked off our list. But I just want to spend a few moments on the why of kindness. Because the why of kindness will fuel the what and the how of kindness. We've got to get the why in place first. And a few years ago, I actually saw this clip on YouTube of a co comedian. And he would go and he would have thousands of people in his shows. But he would always take a moment to connect with somebody like I'm just doing with Anna. He would connect with somebody in the audience. And then he would ask them about themselves. And this particular time, he asked this chap who was a music conductor. He connected with a music conductor and he asked him if he could also sing. And the music conductor said, yes, I can. I can sing as well. So he asked him to sing something. And this music conductor sang Amazing Grace and he sang it beautifully. The words, the melody, the pitch, the note, everything spot on, beautiful. But then the comedian said to him, now I want to give you some scenarios your father had cancer, but he's been miraculously healed. Your, he gave him a few different ones about his father had been in prison for something he hadn't, been, hadn't done and now he's coming home. Or his mother had had a situation and it had been resolved. 
Oh, and the, the, one of them was like, you were basically on the streets, living on the streets, but somebody has taken you out and they've put you in a home and they've clothed you. And he said, now I want you to sing Amazing Grace. And when that man started to sing Amazing Grace, I can tell you the hairs on the back of my head stood up. And that was just seeing it through YouTube. Before he was on the second line of Amazing Grace, the whole auditorium was up on its feet. Thousands of people as he sang Amazing Grace, not based on the what to sing or how to sing it, but on the why he was singing. And I think it's time for us to really look at the why we do what we do. Why do we do church? Why do we do community groups? Why do we do the next generation prayer meeting? Why do we do it? We do it because we truly believe with all of our hearts that we are here to bring heaven to earth. We are here with a message of truth and life and hope and we have a responsibility and an opportunity to bring it to the people in our world, amen. So the why of kindness. Simply put, it's because we can. We can make a difference in this world. You know, when we know Jesus, when we know Jesus, actually, I wonder, do you guys need to come up right now? <laughs> no, I'm just thinking, I've got 13 minutes on the clock and you might get tired. That's all I was thinking. <laughs> Is that okay? Uh, they're eager, they're eager to sing. No, but I seriously, the only reason I say that is because you're up here already all service and then your feet will get tired. So just sit, relax, enjoy. Uh, is that cool? Why kindness? You know, because we can. Because we can. We can make a difference in people's lives for sure. We can. But you know, when we know Jesus, when we know Jesus, he moves us with compassion. And compassion isn't sympathy. It's not there, there, oh, what a shame, and then going off doing your own thing. Compassion actually is compelling because compaction activates us. It activates us into action because the human heart was not made for harshness. But that's what multitudes of people, young and old, across the world are experiencing right now. Harshness, the darkness of life. But the human heart was not created for that. The human heart was created to be in a relationship with a heavenly father and to live an overcoming life. And you and I, in this time, we will be able to, we have the opportunity to ease some of that discomfort, ease some of that pain and suffering that people have and to bring healing. We're not the saviors. No, not at all. Only Jesus is the savior, but we can bring healing. We can bring kindness. So what is kindness? Well, I'm pleased you asked because I've got a few notes here to share with you. Kindness, well, first of all, kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 22 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It goes on to say there is no law against these things, which means nothing can stand against these things. Nothing can overcome these things. That is powerful. The Spirit of God in seed form has been deposited into every single one of our hearts when we gave Jesus Christ our, our lives. 
the seed of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control is in each and every single one of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in you and is in me. Amen? And the seed of kindness on the inside of us can grow internally as we express it externally. Should I say that again? The seed of kindness on the inside of us can grow internally as we express it externally to others around us. And that's what we've got an opportunity to do. The second point for kindness is kindness is an act. It's an act. It's not passive. It's not sleepy. It is proactive. The dictionary definition of it actually is it's an act of being kind, friendly, generous, considerate, loving, gentle-natured. Oh, my days. How marvelous would that be if our world was living that way, if our city was like that, if our workplace, our uni was like that, if our schools were like that. Amen? Gentle-natured. And gentle-natured does not mean weakness. Let me tell you, gentle-natured means strength under control. Strength under control. So it doesn't hurt people. It supports people. It reassures people. It brings comfort to people because it's strength and security, but it's under control. How beautiful. How beautiful. 1 John 3 verse 18 says, Dear children, let us stop just saying we love each other. Let us really show it by our actions. Kindness. The act of being kind. Kindness itself enables us to do good to others regardless of feelings and emotions. And that's not a natural thing. That's a supernatural thing. To be able to extend kindness to others regardless of your emotions and feelings towards that person, that is a supernatural thing. That's why it's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Mark says he's going to remind me of that little line on Wednesday when, when my message might be fading from my own personal life. <laughs> He told the whole church, he's going to tell me how I behave on Wednesday. So, in any case, point three, kindness dignifies and places values on others. Kindness dignifies and places value on others, which is why kindness can help us deal with loneliness, because we place value on people, we celebrate people, we honor people. How precious to live like that in this city, Amen. So the what of kindness, well, we often ask ourselves the question, what's the need, what's the message, what's the opportunity, and what are we jolly well going to do about it? I mean, I put the jolly in there, but what's the need, what's the message, what's the opportunity, and what are we going to do about it? Because we need to do something about it, because kindness is an act. Colossians 3 verse 12 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved... Gosh, see, just look. Look at the amount of value that is just in that line. We are chosen by God. We are holy and we are dearly loved. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Clothe yourself with kindness. You and I have to take responsibility to own kindness, to own it as our own. You know, I'm very pleased to see that all of you have arrived at church for the 1 p.m. service dressed and clothed. Well done. 
<laughs> None of you came in your pajamas, which would be oh, totally fine. You're all, well, Constantine says no, that would not be fine, but you know, if your luggage got lost or whatever, you know, you can come in your PJs, we'll get you some clothes, but you're all clothed, praise the Lord. And if you weren't, we would have to sort you out. But you know, you clothe yourself today and it's a habit. I, I'm sure none of you had to think, oh, there's something I've forgotten to do. You're at the door to go out and you're like, there's something I forgot. Oh, I forgot to clothe myself. None of you would have done that because you are in the habit of clothing yourself. And what we need to become as children of God and sons and daughters are in the habit of clothing ourselves with kindness. Amen. And so we're given particular attention to that with the kindness project. But I wonder also if we could as individuals decide that in December, you know, the advent calendar where you get your chocolate. I sent one to my daughter through Amelia last week. She texts me, you know, on Friday saying, sorry, mummy, I ate them all. <laughs> so she's eaten all 24 of her jolly chocolates already. I knew she'd do that. She's done that since she was a little girl. She just has this thing for chocolate. But in any case, in any case, I decided in my diary I'm going to write an act of kindness that I'm going to do to somebody for somebody every single day of Advent. 24 days of kindness. Why don't we all decide to do that? 24 days of kindness. Do what's going to work for you. It's a little note for somebody, a text message of encouragement. Maybe even the dustbin man out, you know, who collects the rubbish that you actually say thank you. Or, you know, you put something there to the poor old DHL man who's got so many Amazon parcels right now. Put a little note. Thank you, Amazon. What can you do? Let's be a church that's going to do 24 days of kindness for Advent and send your chocolates to me. We're here to be useful. Yeah, come on up, team. John 17, verse 15 to 18 says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Set them apart for your purposes. You know, God's purposes aren't just to be up here with a microphone. God's purposes is for all of us to be kind and to be loving and to extend His goodness to others. Make them holy. Your word is truth. And then it goes on to say, just as you commissioned and sent me into the world, I also have commissioned and sent them, believers, into the world. You know, you and I, we have been taken out of darkness. We've been put into his marvelous light so that we can shine ever so brightly. And we've got an opportunity to go for it, even more so for these next few weeks. You know, Jesus is in heaven, but you and I are his hands and feet here on earth. And I pray that we will do the good work works that he has planned and purposed for us to do. Amen. Amen. There are many needs, many needs, and we can't do everything, but we can all do something. You know, in Acts 2, when we read in Acts 2, it was the church that made sure there was no unmet need in society. And just because we have an amazing government programs and we have social services and we have healthcare, etc., etc., just because we have those things, it doesn't mean that the church has been made redundant. No, the church even more so because we're not doing it because we're paid to do it. We're doing it because we've got a heart for people just like our Heavenly Father has. Amen. The motivation is different. We're still here to be about our Father's business. Amen. Regardless of what things are in place. And so as I bring this message to close, I want to read a portion of Scripture from Matthew 25, 36 to 40 in the Message Translation. And if... 
You don't need to read it on the screen. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes, but if you do need to read it on the screen, keep them wide open so you can read it. But I, I'm really praying in the name of Jesus that as these words go out, that the impact of them will penetrate into your hearts when you, and you will get a revelation of your part to play and who you are really, truly doing this for. Matthew 25, 36 to 40. Then the king will say to those on his right, enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was homeless and you gave me a room. I was shivering and you gave me clothes. I was sick and you stopped to visit. I was in prison and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you? thirsty and give you a drink and when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you then the king will say I'm telling the solemn truth whenever you did one of these things to someone overlooked or ignored that was me you did it to me